0: Please be advised this story contains adult content and graphic language.
1: Out of the blue, we were talking about Medea and she just went, if you could get away with killing someone, w- would you kill them? And I you no, know, I was kind of like a taken back. I thought it was an odd question and I just answered no. And she said, I would.
0: Welcome to Sleuth. I'm Linda Sawyer. Next up, we welcome Kristen Bergamasco, now Kristen Crane, who knew Rachel Buffett during their time together as students attending Long Beach Community College's theater department. Kristen's stories about her encounters with Rachel are foreboding tales of a future that Kristen eerily predicted for Rachel just two weeks before the murders. Hey, Kristen. Hi, how are you? So you were a witness at Daniel Wozniak's trial. I was. And you shared with the court a lot of your observations and experiences with her, which pretty much happened during that time you were at the Long Beach Community College. Is that correct? Correct. So why don't you give us a sense of... When you first met her, what was the first encounter you had? And, and uh, take us back to that time. Sure. Um, at the college campus, I
1: was part of the theater program. right? And it was a tight-knit community to be in. Most of us were friends. But I did feel that regarding Rachel, there was kind of a divide. There were some people that thought she was really odd. And then there were some people that thought she was very nice. And I'm the type of person that likes to, you know, I like to come to conclusions on my own. So I give everyone a fair chance. I won't let somebody else's opinion of somebody else kind of sway me. So when I first met Rachel, I thought she was nice, different, but I did think she was nice. So my initial impression was that she was nice. And when I say she was different, it was kind of obvious that she was a little bit more sheltered, I want to say, than... Most people at that age, because I think around the time I was probably either nineteen or
0: I think it was the fall of two
1: thousand six. You said, yeah. So then I'm, I would have been, I would have been nineteen, yeah. So for me, in my experience, with other nineteen year olds. And then I did find out that she had been homeschooled. I attributed it to that, like right. maybe she's just a little socially awkward because she had been homeschooled. Not to attack anybody that's been homeschooled. Well, but when you're when you're homeschooled, you just impression. don't have
0: you don't have the experiences of being amongst your peers. You just don't have that social aspect of your growing education. Right. Right. Did you get close with her because you were both in the theater department there? So uh, how I got to
1: know her better was um, I, we were both cast in a show together um, and that was uh, Antigone. We were in Antigone together. Yeah. We were cast in a show together. And so, I lived in Orange County, so it was a far drive for me. So I would I would have classes in the morning and afternoon, and then there would be like a two-hour gap where between my classes and rehearsals. So I'd kind of just be stuck on the campus. And a lot of times, Rachel had the same gap as I did. So since we were in the show together, I was just kind of like, hey, you want to hang out keep, keep each other company between rehearsals and class? That's kind of how... I got to know her better.
0: You developed a bit of a friendship at the time. Yeah, I would say yes. So tell us about (laughs) the conversations that you would have with her when it involved you you on these breaks. I remember the time where we were in the car together
1: uh, going to Starbucks. We were on a break uh, between class and rehearsal, and we were talking about Medea. Medea is a Greek tragedy where a scorned woman, um, she ends up to seek revenge on her ex-husband. She actually kills her two children. Since we were talking about this Greek tragedy, she had asked me, out of the blue, we were talking about Medea, and she just went, if you could get away with killing someone, would you kill them? And I... No, I was kind of like a taken back. I thought it was an odd question and I just answered no. <laughs> and she said I would.
0: Wow. That must have yeah. I mean, did how did how did you feel at that moment? Um, at that
1: moment I think this was like the beginning of of kind of me going, All right, there, there's I'm start I was starting to see how others in my department wanted to keep their distance from her. A lot of people would say she was crazy and I wanted to kind of develop that opinion on my own <laughs> before I passed any quick judgments. And and that was where I was the wheels in my head were starting to turn that
0: maybe she wasn't the most Sane. wasn't the best person <laughs> to spend your time with. So she basically said she would like it was just so matter of fact that if she was guaranteed, she could get away with it? Yes. That's what she said. From what I've heard from other former friends of hers, that there's this sort of selfishness, this sense of the attention always has to be on me, Uh, similar to almost like a Casey Anthony.
1: I... Definitely had. Looking back, I definitely felt, especially at the time, by the time two thousand eight rolled around, I believe, like the Casey Anthony case, had a lot of attention, and I do remember making that observation, saying the same thing that she reminds me of Casey Anthony.
0: So the, there was a there was a soullessness to her.
1: I yes. And there was even a professor at the theater department that, I mean, and this was like a few years before anything had happened. And he had, I can't remember the exact quote, but he said something to that effect that when you look into her eyes, there's just white, there's no soul there. Wow. And that stuck with me. And I I also do remember when we were in rehearsal one day, I don't remember what we were talking about. I remember Rachel had said something to the effect of, I would rather be infamous than not known at all.
0: Well, that certainly falls in line with what some of her friends at the time who were at the press conference when she was released from uh, jail, that uh, she was telling some of her friends that she was so impressed that she was hearing the news about her release and that they were referring to her as an actress. And that was what really struck her as. I. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I, I do remember uh, something to that effect, but I think in a different setting, I, I remember there was, and I, I didn't hear this directly because by the time everything happened, by the time, you know, Dan had gotten arrested, I no longer spoke to her but I I had mutual friends that spoke to her. I had a mutual friend that spoke to a friend of hers. And I know that uh, Kyle Rubel had a friend named Marissa, who was very close to uh, Rachel at that time. And when I I think if I'm remembering the story correctly, Marissa actually went to the wedding. She didn't realize the wedding had been called off. And so she called, she called Rachel to see what was going on. And, and Rachel's reaction to that was, well, Google Dan, and then call me back. So I think, you know, so Marissa looks it up, she sees what happened. So she calls, you know, Rachel back. She's, of course, devastated, shocked. And I remember Rachel had said to Marissa that all the newspapers and all the articles about it referred to her as an actress. And she was like, can you believe it? They're calling me an actress.
0: Like she was really proud of that of of that reference. Instead of, of instead of, of really wanting yeah. to cower in shame that you were involved and attached to this uh, person that committed these murders, instead you cite the uh, reference of you being an actress as some kind of a glory moment.
1: Yeah, and and at that time, because I had already stopped speaking to her because I thought she was very strange and. Quite frankly, capable of these types of things, I was not surprised in the slightest. Right, that she that this would be her reaction. I, I wasn't
0: just sort of disassociated from the reality of what the subject matter was and why she was in the press in the first place. Exactly, exactly. There's no remorse. There's no nothing. Nothing. I know that you. Uh, were aware of a story about uh, the 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 gentleman that she sort of outed as a as a gay man. Would you share that? I think it was with Andy Pitts? yes. tell tell us that story because yes. it really, to me, is indicative of how of, how, yeah. how evil she can be. how cruel right.
1: Um well, at. At that time, I believe she had some sort of secret relationship with Kyle Robel, And I say it was secret because I, if I'm remembering this correctly, I believe Kyle had a, at the time was, had a, was in a relationship with somebody else and him and Rachel had something else going on on the side and there was a party at Andy's house and, um,
0: and Andy Pitts was a mutual friend. He was a colleague at the school. He was a friend of mine. Yes.
1: And I believe at the time, like I think at the time he, he, he was not, um, I think he identified as a straight man. I, I, I'm not sure, but Rachel had it in her head that he was gay. And so there was a party at his house. He slept with him. And at the end of it all, um, I believe she said something to him to the effect of a, she let him know that she was also sleeping with Kyle and it made him feel really
0: awkward. But she also said to him, I thought you were gay and I thought this could help you come out. And didn't she out him with all the other students? Didn't he leave the college for a while? Um, I don't, I don't,
1: I, I know he left, but I think it was because he was ready to transfer. I don't think he left because of that. And I, I remember she was, she would tell people that she thought he was gay and, and this, and that she had slept with him and she kind of made like a, a joke out of it. But I think most people or everyone I knew had empathy for him.
0: Right. And Kyle had not I met with Kyle and he said something to the effect of she, she came back after sleeping with him and sort of shamed him in front of everybody in front of the cast and, and basically, in essence, was outing him is is the feeling he got. Well, I I don't I
1: don't uh, I, I I believe she did, but I I think she did it in a, in a way that was like she wanted Kyle to be jealous, and she wanted Kyle to to be violent with him in oh front goodness. of people. I think that was more, if I'm remembering correctly. Okay. I I remember that was kind of a motive as well. Like she wanted kyle to go and like beat him up in front of everybody like how dare he
0: sleep with his woman but so she wanted to out him the poor guy and have him beat up at the same time it's like all about drama for her it sounds like yeah 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 i mean that's yeah
1: i mean that's that's really evil (laughs) i'm sorry i i mean yeah that this is why i felt that (laughs) i needed to say something
0: and I know that Audrey McVeigh is another friend of hers or was a friend for a while, and I know that you're also I friends with her. And I spent, I've spent spent quite a bit of time with Audrey, and she's been so candid and forthright as far as her experiences with Rachel. Mm-hmm. And I know that you also know quite a bit about how there was this propensity to steal. Yeah, um, and I...
1: I never experienced that firsthand. I heard about it uh, through Audrey.
0: And and Audrey and, said um, it was a regular. there was sort of a, a a daily lifestyle choice that that it was food and clothes and furniture. And the only thing that upset Rachel was she couldn't figure out how to steal her cigarettes. Yeah, yeah. I I, I remember that. I remember
1: Audrey telling me about that. Yes.
0: What fascinated me was supposedly she stole her bridesmaids dresses from Burlington Co-factory and I'm like she's such a little thing how on earth did she hide hide those dresses Yeah Well I remember so um about 2 weeks before um
1: b- before I want to say so that it had to have been May 2008 um, Audrey had come over to my house because she wanted to talk to me. I had warned Audrey about Rachel. I had warned Audrey to stay away from Rachel, but Audrey was going to be a bridesmaid in their wedding. And she had called me out of the blue that May and said, you know what? I dropped out of Rachel's wedding and I'd like to come and talk to you about it. And so she had actually come over to my apartment at the time and, um, was telling me about the stealing and stuff like that. And I I don't remember exactly what it was they, that Rachel stole at Burlington Coat Factory, but I know Audrey and her went shopping and Rachel stole things and Audrey didn't know what was going on. And Audrey didn't find out until after they went back to Rachel's apartment. And Audrey was upset because she felt like, well, if you had gotten caught stealing, you could have brought, me down with you and I had no idea what you were doing. That's a similar um, story
0: that we had from an ex-boyfriend. The same thing like he gets in the car and all of a sudden she starts to laugh because he said you don't have to steal I'll buy it for you and she did it anyway and without him even realizing it and when she they got in the car she was giggling and showed him how she Took a five dollar box of perfume and replaced it with a fifty dollar box of perfume, or something along those lines. And for it's just something along those yeah, I I could see that yeah. in a heartbeat. Yeah. So uh, Audrey, I know she did admit that there were a lot of fun times that she had with Rachel and Dan. They were sort of a threesome for for a good period of time. But I guess once they started getting pretty heavily involved in the drugs, that's that's when she wanted out. Yeah. You know.
1: That's correct. That's what, and and that same night that Audrey was telling me about the stealing and this and that she had also told me that they were using drugs and there was a lot of it. The, and at that point, I think Audrey had had just
0: enough and no longer wanted to be associated with them. And I know that she was, she pulled out of the wedding, right? It was, it was weeks before the murder. Nope, she, but... Yeah. So she had pulled out of the wedding. Yes, that is
1: correct. And that same night, we were talking and we were kind of talking about how cold and calculating Rachel was. And I think all, all three of us, Oh, I'm sorry. I had another friend at the house. um, All three of us had said that um, we would not be surprised if in a few years, we saw Rachel on the news uh, for like murdering, you know her husband to get insurance money like i think that was exactly the words we used and we wouldn't be surprised if we saw that we know it's going to happen but the thing is is i mean 2 weeks later i saw that dan was on the news for being arrested for a double homicide
0: wow you guys had that premonition just a few weeks before the murders we sure did i mean did you guys just call each other instantly and that must have been freaked oh. you all out yeah. Well,
1: I, I for, yes, I was,
0: um, that
1: I was at work and we had a TV in the break room. And at that point I had, I, I had gone to high school with Julie. So I knew, I knew she had died, but when we had heard of her death, I think we kind of were under the assumption that it was, uh, Sam that had killed her. And, Um, So I was already like kind of upset about that, but I was at work and I was on my lunch break and all of a sudden it broke that Daniel Wozniak had been arrested for the murders of Julie Kibuishi and Sam air. And I mean, I gasped, I started crying because at that time I wasn't on Facebook and I, I had no idea that Julie knew Rachel.
0: I had no idea. Did you think at that moment that Rachel was involved as well?
1: Immediately. I mean, I looked at the TV and I saw his face, his mugshot, and I went, this is Rachel, because literally two weeks prior, we were just saying we wouldn't be surprised if we saw her on the news. Now, it didn't happen to be her, but I knew I said that did not happen. Just it was not just a coincidence. It, 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 it There's a reason why we were just talking about this. There was a reason why Audrey j- dropped out of the wedding. I knew that. She was capable of of being involved in something that
0: horrific. So it made you think that while you might not have known Dan very well at all, that he just didn't kill alone.
1: Yeah, I mean, I wasn't talking to her at this point, so I have no way of knowing for sure. But if I had to guess, I would definitely say that she was involved in the planning I would definitely say knowing that how I had seen her try to manipulate other people in the past, that it would not surprise me at all if she was a driving factor in pushing him to do this or collaborating with him to do this. I don't know if she actually physically did it. I I don't know if I could see that, but I could definitely see her being behind the planning. Did you know, Dan? I did not know Dan. I think I met him once. Um, I've never had a conversation with him. I um, I got creeped out by Rachel very, very fast. So I would say during the rehearsal process of Antigone was the extent of our friendship. Once that ended, I kept my distance because I thought she was
0: very strange. Did you ask Audrey what she thought of Dan? Because she was close with both of them. So... I,
1: I probably did, and I'm trying to think. I remember, like, I, since I didn't know Dan, I didn't really warn her about Dan. I just kind of always pushed Rachel, like, you might want to just stay away. Um, but, you know, she was in the wedding, so I kind of just let it be. As far as Dan goes, I, I mean, I don't really remember her saying much other than that they had a pretty volatile relationship, that they would fight and have these crazy epic arguments, and at that point when she had come to me that was like the first time I had been hearing about Dan and she told me he was using drugs with Rachel and that's kind of the extent that I knew about
0: Dan now you said you went to school with Julie you went to OSHA I I did and did you know her very well we were more acquaintances I wasn't a very close friend
1: but I was definitely somebody that would say hello. Um, but I think my high school in general, we were very tight-knit. Uh, it was a small class, so everybody kind of knew everybody. So, yeah, so I wasn't gr- a good friend. I, I didn't know her on a very deep, intimate level, but I knew her enough to, to be very upset at what had happened to her.
0: So there was some sort of a reunion as well as an event, m- a memorial event on behalf of Julie?
1: Well, I did go to Julie's memorial. At the high school reunion, we did have June and her husband there. And we, as a class, the class of 2005, donated money to have a plaque for Julie put on Symphony Hall. We didn't go. Symphony Hall, so, like, where the reunion was was right across the street from the actual high school. Uh, But what we did do was we brought... June up and they presented her with, I think two of the girls in my class, they, they made some sort of quilt, and then we gave Julie a moment of silence and that's what we did for them as part of our reunion.
0: That's really sweet. I know that you can't find a person that has a bad thing to say about Julie. No, not at all. And the fact that she was murdered helping a friend it's really just so heartbreaking. Yeah. 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 So you listened to some of the phone calls, right? The jail. I call them the jailhouse calls between Dan and Rachel. Yeah. And I know that you have certain opinions about some of the things you heard her say, specifically when she says, We don't need money. We need to be good people. Yeah.
1: That. That felt like a rehearsed practice. Excuse me, what I'm about to say, bullshit. Ingenuous. Um, I just, I was blown away.
0: So she knew she was being recorded and she wanted to present herself in a certain way.
1: Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I don't doubt that at all.
0: Do you think she hid behind her faith, like she used faith as protection when she was getting into trouble?
1: Absolutely. When I knew her, I felt that she kind of had a negative uh, view of Christianity. I believe her family was was very Christian, and they were strict. And my impression was that she was looking to rebel against that. So I remember when when she had gotten arrested and I I think when they raised the bail to get her out and she made a statement and she said something to the effect of, well, all I have is my God. And I felt that that was just an act. All of a sudden she's become holier than thou and saying things like, oh, well, we don't need money. We need to be good people. Yet Audrey was just saying how she feels and, those drugs. I mean, that just doesn't sound like somebody close to their faith.
0: Right. Just none of it was the Rachel you knew.
1: No, no, she was never that good of an actress.
0: Did Kyle share with you his feelings about his ex-girlfriend?
1: Um, yeah, I want to say uh, my friend Megan and I were were kind of close to him when he was going out with Rachel and... We would continuously tell him to break up with her, and he he would complain about her. But then when it came time to actually, like, stand up for himself, he he wouldn't do it. Um, I I do remember there was a time where he did break up with her, and then she she sort of camped out in her car in his driveway. (laughs) And he was kind of, he was, like, freaked out. He was afraid to leave.
0: (laughs) Sounds like he got himself a stalker.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, she did when they were together, she did kind of some odd things. I mean, I, I remember that like she, she would like hide his car keys and then pretend to be asleep. So he couldn't get to work physically. Um, she would pretend to be sick and tell him that he needs to take care of her. I kind of remember those things happening. And I think eventually he had gotten, he got fired.
0: He got fired from Disney because of all of those absences and late. He was late a yeah. lot too because of her. Yeah, her he was late a lot uh,
1: because of her. Yeah, yeah. She she was she was something special. We would warn him, but and he knew what we were saying was true. But I think he, I think probably at the time, you know, being young, he just he was afraid to break up with her. And like I said, when he did, she camped out in her car in front of his house.
0: So, what are your I, thoughts on I mean, Rachel I had, Buffett's trial?
1: I feel that, I mean, just great, given from what I've heard the detectives say, was that they know she was more involved than they can prove. And I, I do find it sad that they can't prove more, uh, just because I personally feel she is dangerous. And so I would hope that they're able to prove and keep her away from society. But if they can't, then at least stands where he needs to be.
0: Given that you were a theater major at one point in your life, what would you say is the, the most famous role that you could see her playing or, or embodying Rachel Buffett?
1: Oh, goodness. If they ever do a movie on Casey Anthony,
0: great. Wouldn't even have to act. And as far as anything more classic? <sighs> I would say... Hi, Lady Macbeth. Well, it seems like Rachel would fit that part, yeah, I just want to say how grateful we are, Kristen, hearing from you today and learning so much more about this case through your stories
1: no, i just I want to thank you for kind of telling the story of the of our of our victims, and I hope that we give them a voice
0: well. That's the intention and I appreciate you participating because all of you, all everybody that is participating in this podcast has provided some element, some nugget piece of truth that helps fill out the whole picture for our victims' families. So I thank you so much for coming on sleuth. Thank you, Linda. On our next installment of Sleuth, we hear from Daniel Halkyard, an ordained pastor and longtime advisor to Daniel Wozniak. Daniel worked for the pastor for many years in his appraisal business, all during the time that Daniel also dated the pastor's daughter, Emily. Pastor Halkyard has many fond memories of Daniel, who he still to this day refers to as his son. He recounts to Sleuth, however, the one lasting painful memory he witnessed when Daniel left the pastor's home, leaving his old life behind and driving off into the darkness with his future fiance Rachel Buffett by his side. If you enjoyed this episode of Sleuth, share it with a friend, and be sure to leave a rating or review. Follow Sleuth on iHeartRadio, or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so that you never miss an episode.